And so we ended up like actually losing about how uh, probably 30% of our clients when COVID hit. We've got to pivot. And so we changed our offering to three strict things. It became SDO, paid ads, and web design. Um, we were all over the board when we started. We were doing everything. <laughs> Welcome, Dan. Thanks so much for joining me, brother. Thanks for having me on, Dalton. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm I'm excited uh, to have you on. I mean, I've been following you on LinkedIn. I've been following Scroll, but um, and I know you got a couple things going on. But why don't you tell us, like, start with just what you have going on and um, tell us about Scroll, all that good stuff. For sure. Yeah. So um, my name is Dan Page. I'm the COO and a co-founder at Scroll. It's a digital marketing agency. Uh, and uh, we got started about four-ish years ago. Um, I started the business with uh, Shane Hickenlooper, who's the current CEO. And we had both come from uh, a digital marketing background, um, either myself coming from kind of a content background, social media background, influencer marketing background, and, and Shane coming from definitely a digital marketing background and a, and a sales uh, background as well. And we were both uh, miffed, so to speak, with either former employers or just clients in general, or in really the agency world in general, because we've worked for agencies, we've worked for corporate. We've worked for, you know, we've done freelance as well. Um, and consulting, uh, we've kind of hit the full gamut. I think that most people do when you're in digital marketing <laughs> and, uh, and we were just like, we wanted to create something better than, uh, than what we were used to and then what existed, uh, currently. And so we started scroll with that in mind and, um, and that it actually started as, uh, we called ourselves, you went to local and it was, uh, like with the, you went to mountains here in Utah and we wanted to, you know, really serve like the underserved community in Utah. Um, in digital marketing, I think in the agency world, there's this, uh, uh I guess there's this, there's this thought so to speak, to only serve and go after the big retainers and the big clients, the big brand names. That's kind of what, if you know, if you go to school, that's what they talk about in school, you know, serving these big brands, they talk about the big brand stories. Um, and uh, we wanted to serve the underserved, which is the small business. Um, Cause yeah. that's really the people that, you know, we felt, first of all, we could make almost an instant impact with, and it's where, you know, myself had experience and Shane had experience. Shane used to work for KSL in Utah uh, and used to work for Deseret Digital Media, which is kind of the, mm. the main media selling arm of KSL. And so he would sell the small businesses every day, all, all day long. And so that's the, that's the, the chosen channel that we decided to serve our audience. And I think it's gone really well so far. That's cool. I have a lot to, we, we could dive into that whole topic of like marketing and, and small businesses, but I'd love to, even before that, like yeah. what, what got you into starting your business? Like what was the, what was the catapult that really helped you realize like you were done working for agencies that it was time to work on your own? 
Yeah, for sure. So uh, there was two things. One, uh, just really fed up with some uh, former bosses that I had, (laughs) just extremely controlling, micromanaging. I had always had side businesses, like even from a very young kid, I was always interested in entrepreneurship. I started a recycling business when I was like eight, nine years old to help pay for this trip. (laughs) I had, you know, just doing like all these little things and that recycling business actually in uh, Kaysville city. I ran that for, uh, Oh, I don't know, like four or five years until Kaysville city came out with their own city recycling program. I was making like, close to a couple thousand dollars a month (laughs) just in my city, which is crazy, especially for a kid that was like, you know, 10 years old. Yeah. And you were, you were just, was it like door to door? Like, Hey, if you have recycling, leave it outside and I'll come pick it up for whatever, how much money I had custom bins made and I did paper glass and metal. And Uh we had bins that we would, you know, drop off. They're basically just heavy duty cardboard boxes with like my, my, my name on them basically. (laughs) And then I would go back with my parents and we'd just get in the car. My mom had a van. We'd, you know, do our route and go pick everything up super early before school or after school. And, uh, that, that worked really well. So uh, like, entrepreneurship's always been a part of me and I've always had little things. I started a photography yeah. business about seven, eight years ago. I still run that as well with my wife. So it's always been a part of me. And yeah. my last full-time job that I had, um, I just, I was just like basically fed up with the control of my schedule, fed up with the commute. I was commuting from Kaysville all the way down to like South Salt Lake. And I was just like, I, I need to, I need yeah. to do something. I need to, I need to start something that will sustain, first of all, myself and my family. Cause I was newly married at the time. Mm-hmm. And so we, uh, ended up meeting Shane and we went to like, we went to a lunch. He had, you know, left KSL, got an office space, was looking for somebody to help pay rent on the space <laughs> and pay for the lease. And, uh, and I said, Hey, you know, I'm looking at moving out of my home. Let's, let's, you know, I'm on my home office and trying to get something separate. Let's, uh, let's chat. And we did. And that lunch turned into a five hour lunch and, uh, (laughs) and then that turned into a business and we just kept, you know, going back and forth. And it was all about like, you know, we, we can create something different than, you know, than what was out there. Cause everything was being underserved the small, at least the small business in this area that yeah. I had experience with just uh, people would be, you know, basically taking money and not delivering on service or over promising and under delivering, um, which is so common in the agency world. And we were just kind of miffed with everything that was going on. And we we're like, there's definitely money to be made. There's a huge audience in the United States and Utah for this. So yeah. we, you know, we may as well try to combine our, our, uh, our unique kind of offering between the two of us. And Shane started out kind of being the, the web SEO guy. I started being the kind of the social guy and our business is definitely, uh, kind of transformed since then we offer very specific things now, but, um, Mm. it was, uh, yeah, that's really what channeled us into, uh, into what scroll kind of became. Dude, that's cool. So you mentioned something right at the end there that I think is interesting. And I was just talking to this uh, about this with a group of, of my friends last night about like, you know, how businesses evolves, businesses evolve from like phases, right? Like you mentioned at the beginning, you did 
a, a couple things and it transformed and offering very specific things. So tell yeah. me like what you offered at the beginning, what you offer now, but more, but what I'm mostly interested in is how you decided to change what you Make offered. That, yeah. Make that transition. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So it, uh, uh, my background was influencer marketing and social media marketing. That's okay. I, I actually teamed up with a professor of mine from, I went to LDSBC for a couple cool. semesters and teamed up with, Oh, awesome. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. it, I, that really like actually going there, I, I owe a lot to that school because it really transformed, I think my path and got me introduced to a lot of people and also got my feet wet in mm. digital marketing. Unlike a lot of schools that don't have like active clients that you would manage, um, mm -hmm. LDSBC puts you in that your first semester where, you know, maybe yeah. attending another school here locally that has a similar program, you wouldn't be into that until maybe your last semester. Um, and mm -hmm. so it, it, it really got me, got my feet wet. I started a consulting business with that professor for about two years. And then, um, so nice. when we started scroll, um, when Shane and I started scroll, I had a couple clients still from that. My professor went off to get, uh, like finalize a PhD. And so I, you know, kind of joined up with him, with Shane and we, I brought over my clients. He already had some clients. And so we kind of brought that together. So I was doing social media marketing, content creation, just posting, you know, the, the total grind of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And of just, the social media world. <laughs> yes. No kidding. And just managing yeah, influencers too. We had a couple influencers on our roster. And so managing them, managing, you know, any of the bookings they were trying to make, um, you know, managing their, their clients that they were handling. So, that, that was kind of what I did. Shane, on the other hand, was building websites. And so he was doing websites for clients. He was helping run uh, SEO for them. So, you know, optimizing their website, posting blogs, stuff like that. And that, that's what it initially started as. It's like, okay, we're going to do web and social. Um, and that's initially what it started off as. And we learned pretty quickly that, first of all, social is incredibly hard to scale um, because yeah. you need you need a lot of people or you just need a lot of like, there's a lot of facets that go into content creation. There's a lot of money that you yeah. need to be able to produce content, at least on yeah. a regular basis. Right. And if you're not doing it in-house, you have to outsource to an editor and that's even more expensive. <laughs> so, yeah. um, yeah, dude. Yeah. So it, we were just like, we figured this is not scalable. And at the same time, we, it was kind of at the point of that like economic downturn, uh, mm -hmm. before, right around COVID time. And so we ended up like actually losing about how uh, was uh, probably 30% of our clients when COVID hit. And so we Dang. were just like, we were like, what do we do? You know, we've got to pivot. And so we, you know, Shane and I kind of hunkered down and we were like, we got to figure this out. We changed our offering to three strict things. It became SDO, paid ads and web design. We started offering paid ads, um, in 2020. Mm. Like, like, is, uh, are you talking about like social media or like programmatic yeah. or like, yeah. So, and what, what I mean by paid ads is we really, uh, specifically do social. So paid social mm -hmm. and we do Google. So okay. search. So those are the two that we specialize in now. Um, we were all over the board when we started, we were doing everything, <laughs> you know, with paid ads, but now we've kind of settled in on those. Um, yeah. but so 
anyways, we, we made that pivot and we started working with home service businesses. Uh-huh. And this was at the time when home service businesses were exploding. They couldn't get enough work. You know, everybody was home. Mm-hmm. So everybody was fixing up their house or dealing with home issues. So like, it was like the perfect, we were like, this is a great niche. Like we can yeah. figure this niche out. And at, at the time too, we had, we had one employee, um, Preston, who's actually Shane's brother-in-law. And we had hired him as kind of our sales guy. And uh-huh. he was, uh, and he was our first employee. And then we went from, uh, you know, Preston, myself and Shane, and we were all doing the selling and some of the fulfillment. We're outsourcing some of the fulfillment at that point. And uh-huh. we just were like, we, you know, we can, we can scale this because this is a niche that needs help and is very active, at least during the recession, yeah. you know, of at that time. And so we were just like, let's, let's just hit the ground running. And we just were selling super hard. We got into advertising for ourselves. At that point, we had done everything off of word of mouth and our own SEO. And we were doing a, a really good job. And then it, then it came kind of time to pivot and transition to scroll because we were, you went to local all the way up until 2020. And Oh, that's right. Yeah. Your name. Changed. Yeah, that's right. Our name changed. And then we went kind of, then we went national. We were like, we, we were just like focusing on Utah and it's like, it's such a small market really in comparison to the United States. Right. And so we were yeah, like, yeah. and even internationally, <laughs> and we were like, we just were like, we just, we wanted to serve, you know, this, this small thing. We wanted to do these, the, the Utah guys, you know, yeah. and, uh, and we were just like, you know, to grow, we needed to change the name. We needed to rebrand. We needed to broaden our scope of, uh, of our area and our businesses that we were serving. And that's yeah. what happened like in, in 2020. Um, and that happened with, uh, we had a, a partner that we brought on, uh, Mason Bledsoe and he brought us the name. Um, and, uh, we, t- yeah, we, we, use that name and we we've kind of taken it from there in terms of growth but that was the turning point was that kind of time when we we needed to pivot um in 2020 and it was and it was uh definitely worth it because we went from myself shane preston to by the end of 2020 we were a 10-person team and almost 15 person, we've kind of scaled back just slightly since then in headcount. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, we went from three of us to about a team of about 15 by the end of 2020. So it went pretty quick that, that year in the growth kind of followed. So, yeah, holy cow, that's gnarly, man. So when you talk about scroll, one of the things that, <clears throat> that you guys advertise is like all people know agency. And yeah. so you mentioned earlier that the agency piece was like, um, it's just kind of like diluted now as far as like all the agencies out there, uh, or excuse me, most of the agencies out there, you know, over-promising, under-delivering. Um, yeah. I think a big part of that has to be social, right? Because I'm yes. kind of in that space where it's like podcasting, content creation, but I specifically fo- focus on like podcasting, like, you know, I have a little production business that I do where yeah. I help businesses create their own podcast. And we run into that conversation all the time. But the difference is I'm super transparent. Like I For always sure. tell, I always tell clients like podcasting is goodwill content. It's yeah. like a Costco rotisserie chicken. Like you yeah. might make some money off of it, but that's not the point, right? Like, yeah, because people are no, always totally. like, you know what I mean? People are always like, well, what's the ROI? And I'm like, 
well, I just told you that there probably is none until like, yeah. un- unless we use it the right way, like for lead for gen, sure. brand awareness. But anyway, it's just, it's just wild. So w- when you talk about, you know, all people know agency, like what do you try, what message do you try to send to people? How do you yeah. try to like, how do you try to like manage those expectations for small businesses? Because that's a big deal for small businesses. Totally. Investing 100%. in a marketing agency, right? Yeah. A hundred percent. And it's a, it's typically one of the biggest expenses beyond people for, yeah. uh, for those service-based businesses, at least. Cause some of them have large teams. Some of them are one man shops, yeah. you know? So, but all people know agency actually came about, and I got to give credit to Levi Lindsay and you, you may or may not know who that is, but yeah. Yeah. I actually um, interviewed him on my podcast. His, his interview is okay. coming out soon. <laughs> oh, awesome. I love, we love Levi. He's a good buddy of both Shane and I. Um, yeah. He actually, <laughs> he was going to join our company and that's another story for another time. But, um, <laughs> but during that, during that, tra- during that transition, actually, we were brainstorming uh, Shane, myself, Levi and Mason when Mason was with us at the time. And, uh, and Levi came up with that. Um, and that, that was a tagline that Levi came up with. I mean, I don't know if it was a, that exact variation or not, but he came up with a very similar variation. And then we, we basically, we took it and we used it because we loved it so much. And, and that was one little parting gift that he gave to us. <laughs> and I, 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 we love it. And it's become our motto on our tagline. And what it really yeah. means is we're, we've always tried in our branding, in our voice, in our experience, tried to be wildly different than any other agency experience that people have. And it's yeah. all, all been about our people and taking care of our people so that our people can take care of our clients. And that's why that, that tagline is all people, no agency. And it's to kind of reject the normal agency model of, you know, serving big, big clients, right? You serve big clients for a couple of years. Maybe you have a contract for, you know, six years, it's a couple million dollar contract. They Mm -hmm. cancel, you have to fire half your staff and anyone that's worked in the agency world has been probably been let go or laid off at least (laughs) once in their career. Um, And that's just how it goes. If, especially if you work for the big, big agencies and we were like, we don't ever want to do that. Like we want to serve Mm. lots of small clients, keep our margins really good and never have to let anybody go, even if our biggest client leaves. Um, And so that, that was kind of like what Shane and I set out to do. And we felt that if we take care of our people, it's going to reflect in the client experience and it'll reflect obviously in profits and growth. Yeah. And, and we've been, we've, I, I believe we've achieved that for sure. Yeah. I think it's interesting before, because uh, you're the four day work week guy. Um, yes, we, right? yes, we do. <laughs> well, I, yeah, that, I would consider Shane the four day work week guy, okay. but we both, we both have posts that I think have got, gotten million, like literally millions of impressions when we talk about a four day work week on LinkedIn. It's crazy. We always get well, a ton of, a ton of people applying and stuff, but yes, well, yeah, we have a four day work week. It, well, it's funny because like there are some, so, so when this whole thing, you know, COVID hits and there's this big debate on like remote work yeah. or work from home yeah. or like hybrid yeah. and all this stuff. And, and I'm so personally, like I am, all, I am pretty like in the middle with things. Like there are some professions like, cause I'm from the Midwest. So I know that like, there are some businesses that can't do remote work. Yeah. Like if you're sure. in a factory, 
That's yeah, not no know, way. You can't do that. Yeah. Right. So like, it j- does remote work like there's, but there's some diehard remote work fans and there's some diehard these. Yeah. And I'm just like, ah, it's in the middle. And same thing with four day work week. I think for like, if you're in like sales and marketing, accounting, all these places, like, yeah. dude, get you get it done. And for sure, I don't care what you do after that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, yeah. Like, I, I, and I think four day work week works really well in tech obviously like yeah, more so. so than any other industry. Yeah. Um, and you know, four day work week was, uh, one of Mason's ideas too. Um, yeah. now I'm sounding like we're just taking other people's ideas. It's just funny. <laughs> listen, <laughs> but, but listen, but, my, my phrase for that is cur- we're is a good curator of ideas. That curator. That. But my, my, uh, I learned this phrase a long time ago. Um, but it was, uh, if you steal from one person, it's plagiarism. But if you steal from 10 people, it's research. I love so that. You're just doing That's research, awesome. bro. I love that. No, well, no. <laughs> so Mason's no longer a partner here. Yeah. Um, but uh, the four day work week was, was Mason's idea and it was a great idea. And we all agreed. I yeah. think it was awesome. We started doing it um, beginning of 2021 ish. Yeah. So we're roughly about a year into like a little over a year actually of like yeah. actually doing the four day work week. And it's been mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do think it works really well in tech. I think there is major upside for companies that can do it. You know, it mm-hmm. took, it took several months for us to kind of get the hang of it and to yeah. not be overworking during that Monday through Thursday. And we honestly realized like we just kind of just implemented it and kind of see, you know, see yeah. what would happen. And there's a lot of companies yeah. that will like research and try to test it out and all this stuff. We're just like, let's just do it and then fix all the problems that are going to happen from it later. Yeah. Um, or while, you know, while we're continuing to do it. And I so like we, we, uh, you know, we implemented it and then we went straight into fixing processes, you know, managing communication with clients yeah. and expectations and all that stuff to really like make it work, you know? Yeah. I like that. Well, let's talk more about that because I had a question that, yeah. um, uh, just about your agency, right. And part of it, part of, uh, what you do also is like, you know, white label services, so you can do this thing. So my question comes from um, kind of a little bit of both, right? Like when you were looking at, when you're, you work specifically with small businesses, you took, it sounds like you took content creation out of the mix. Yes, we did. Was yep. that, and you mentioned it was hard to scale, but I'm also wondering if it was also just hard to implement and like get people on board with content creation. Cause I've seen a lot of Great like, question. I've seen a lot of me- media agencies yeah. Offer it and then not offer it anymore. And I'm just curious For as sure. to why you would, I mean, like, I don't think yeah. it's a, I, I don't think I'm, I, this is not like a, this is not like an indictment of what you're doing. Yeah. I'm just, no, curious. yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. No, we, we, so we, I felt like when we did do it, it was definitely a success. Like yeah. it wasn't like clients weren't getting on board with it because mm-hmm. we weren't onboarding anybody for content creation that didn't want it. Um, we just felt like for the time and money and cost of it, it just didn't make sense. I think we're going to be reinvesting into it this year. Um, just on, uh, like on my personal brand, on Shane's personal brand, on our company brand, we're going to be investing in it this year. We're starting, we're going to start, we're starting a YouTube channel. We are, we've been considering starting a podcast for a very long time. Um, (laughs) and so like it's now coming to fruition when we started, it just didn't make sense. It it wasn't, 
just with the people that we had, it wasn't scalable. I feel like now we could probably do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and we are, you know, starting to put plans in place to make it kind of be an internal thing, not really, uh, offering we offer to clients beyond what we do on the kind of paid social side of things. Mm -hmm. Um, but other than that, you know, it, I, I think most companies get into it with high hopes and they're usually creators. Like I'm a creator. Like you can see these photos hanging up on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm a photographer and was a videographer. Uh, we have many people on our staff that have that creative background. Yeah. And I was, so it was an easy thing. Like, Hey, we can offer content creation to clients, but what you don't realize is obviously the time, the money, the travel, the really low margin, at least in terms of your time to making yeah. money ratio. And yeah. so we just were like, it just didn't make sense at the time. I think a lot of companies feel that way too. And that's why maybe they start offering it and then maybe cut back or well, it's, change it's offering. So dude, it's, it's tough, especially when you're like, you know, you, you, it's just really hard to manage people's expectations when it comes yeah. to content creation because Definitely. they're thinking like, you know, they're thinking like the big guys, right? Like Gary V, Grant Cardone, Jay Shetty. Yes, they're thinking all sure. these bit, Ryan, Ryan Padina, yeah. all these or guys who just make me an Apple ad. Like, <laughs> and it's like, nobody can do Apple, but like, Apple. Dude, like, yeah, that's yeah, exactly. Yes, that's true. But it's like, you have these expectations and it's really hard to manage them. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, and, 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 uh, and I just, man, it's just so tough because a lot of these people, when they not businesses and not all of them, but a lot of them, you know, they get into this idea that like, you know, they're going to go viral if they have all yeah. these things. And it's like, yeah, it's like, no, but you got to remember though, or like they get trapped in this hustle culture. So like one conversation I have with people that that kind of gets me in trouble sometimes yeah um, because like, first of all, like I'm a, like, I'm genuinely like a, a stoic and a realist. <clears throat> yeah. And like, I took master's level statistics yeah, classes for sure. And you're like, you go like this, look, dude, listen, I tell people, listen, it's statistically <laughs> impossible for all of us to be Elon Musk's. Yes. You just can't. It's like, it, it's yeah, impossible. No, 100%. Right? So like, so I go like, so that's okay though. So let's just, how about we just take our piece of the pie. We make something really cool. We enjoy the yeah. process. And then we, we sure. pick up whoever wants to, you know, we pick up the community as, as we go. And they're yeah. just like, well, you know, they're like, that's not very inspiring. I'm like, but it actually is though, because I'm just telling you. <laughs> yes. Well, your story is inspiring for sure. And I think yeah. like yeah, people need to realize that their stories are inspiring, especially yes. to the, especially to the right people. I think and a yeah. couple of other people you've interviewed, you talked a lot about this, about stories, about storytelling. Um, and I think yeah. we, we've tried really hard to do that in our branding. We're, we're getting better at it, um, especially with Shane and I's personal brands um, mm. and with the, with scroll as the brand as a whole, we're, we're yeah. trying our best to tell the story, especially in there. Um, once they kind of come into the fold per se during our, you know, our sales process and through our, our ex client experience, I think they can really see the, I, I guess our story through mm -hmm. the experience that they have with us. Yeah. So, well, and again, storytelling, right? Like, so there's a few buzzwords that, that, I don't hate, but they yeah. get a lot of the, but they just like, they're very, they're overused and, and sure. like under like, and misunderstood. So like yes. storytelling, one of them, 
Like I'm yep. a sales guy. So value, that's a big yeah, one. That's value. a big buzzword I'm that I'm, like, I, I'm providing value. It's like, yeah, are I'm you like, really? I, don't, I don't know what you mean. Yeah. I go, I don't know. Yeah. What you mean. Like yeah. value. Um, culture is one that I'm kind of, kind of coming over the fence with. Cause that's also just a buzzword, right? Like I want a good yes. culture. I'm like, is that ping Definitely. pong balls or is that paychecks? I don't know. Yeah. Right. Like, um, so anyway, but like storytelling is one of them and we get, and we're like, as a society, we're kind of in this, uh, you know, instant gratification. And, and it's true. Like, I, yeah. I'm not saying, you know, it's not a bad thing that we've come this far, but storytelling takes time, like developing your For story, sure. like really getting the word, the message of your story out there. Like, you know, yeah. it's taken me like two and a half years to really, and I'm still learning, but like two and a half years to really get like a good, okay, this is the story that we're trying yeah. to tell. You know what I mean? No, totally. And, and, it, and it's definitely changed. I think from, uh, I mean, with TikTok and the rise of TikTok and short form video, mm-hmm. I think that's really thrown a wrench into <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, in, well, into storytelling, yeah. into brand, into yeah. a lot of different things and is a major disruptor. But I think, uh, there's a, there's a guy out there that I've been following. I think it's, it's I think his name's JT Barnett. Uh, mm-hmm. he's on LinkedIn. He's a major TikTok. Uh, I would consider him like a TikTok guru. He's been in yeah. it since the very beginning and he yeah. runs and helps and advises companies and influencers on how to make TikTok work for them. Anyways, his, his major takeaways, at least for the last like year have been making storytelling a part of your short form as much as you possibly can, whether it's multiple short form or even just within your 15 second, 60 second clip. And there's, I think there's, there is storytelling that can be done. It's just very fast paced, you know, especially in this. Yeah. But see, and listen, he'd probably make him way more money than me. So I I, I don't, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like this is not anything other than my opinion. Um, but like for me, storytelling, so the way that I would tell stories on TikTok would be like over long, over many videos. So when someone comes in, you kind of capture them within all of the videos that you made. Because to me, a story is meant to be a story. Like it's long. It, I mean, not, okay. I don't know. It's longer. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Like it's more intimate. You know what I mean? Like you get it, you get inve- emotionally in, invested in this. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, cause, because I had uh, I don't know, Cindy Tetro. Yeah. Uh, Sid- she's Sydney Tetro. D- yeah. d- is that the Disney? Yeah. So she works. Yeah. She's the CEO of brandless. Uh, she raised the largest round of, of fundraising led by a female. Like that was actually awesome. an interesting conversation. She totally yeah. called me out. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> she, she was like, why don't anyway, it was, it was funny. I, I was like, you know, I told her, I was like, um, how did you feel about that? Cause the headline was like female thing. And, and yeah. I was like, I was like, how did you feel about that? She's like, well, what do you mean? And I was like, well, did you think that like the female should have been in there? Or should it just been like, you know, raised ever because it was one of the biggest. And she's yeah. like, no, I like the female in there because it, it brought, it brought light to the fact that we can do this. Totally. And I was like, she called me out, dude. She put me right in my place. I was like, dope. That's sick. I was like, all right, I, you're right. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, back, but kind of back to that um, storytelling. She's a great storyteller. Yeah. She, she's, she's figured it out. And I think a lot of it comes from that Disney, but again, like for sure, 
you know, Disney doesn't tell Disney can tell short stories in TikToks now because they've been telling long stories for, for years. <laughs> for yeah. Decades. And well, and, and you look at any successful brand, any brand that's been around for a long time, you yeah. know, you look at big tech. Yeah. I mean, all of them yeah. tell, tell their story or tell a story, um, yeah. whether it be through their people, through their content, through their platform, um, yeah. through just the history in general, they're, they're all telling stories, you know, on a, yeah. on a very, very regular basis. So no, I think dude, that, yeah, helps. That, that's cool. So when you talk about, um, white labeling your services and like, yeah. you know, having an infinite sales staff and how to like, so, so are you talking about like companies, I guess in a sense, like white labeling their services or finding services that they can white label? Like what do you yeah. mean? Well, so white label in the marketing agency world is yeah. uh, it, it, there's a, there's white labels turn around in a lot of different industries, you know, and, and yeah. direct to consumer and D to C or in, you know, and uh, you're going to maybe white label a product. So maybe a company approaches, you know, yeah. a provider and they're going to white label that product and throw their label on it and yeah. sell it as their own. Right. When it's really been maybe, you know, bottled, manufactured, invented by another company, they're just kind of throwing their, their own branding and their own spin on it. So right. uh, white labeling though, in the marketing world is extremely common. I mean, every agency outsources, that's just the name of the game is right. you, you, out, you, you outsource, right? And so what we wanted to do, and when Shane and I started, like I said, it was just me and him and Preston, our sales guy. And so we obviously couldn't fulfill for 50 clients. And yeah. so we, we had to have an outsource partner that we, you know, shipped off SEO work to, or we shipped off web design work to. We still did a lot of like work ourselves, but um, you obviously can't do a lot. And, you know, we're, we're approaching kind of a mark that we obviously, you know, in 2020, we were like, we've got to bring in in-house staff. We've got to kind of let go of these white label partners. We had mm -hmm. had a lot of issues with white label because you kind of are yeah, handing over the experience, right? You're, you're really, you're handing over the deliverable, the final product, the experience. Yeah. And so we were like, we've got to bring it all in-house. We've got to just fork over the money, <laughs> fork over the salaries. Let's figure it out. Let's bring it in-house. And so we did that. And what that did was over that next year, it showed us that we could be a white label partner for other agencies. And then we got into 2020, end of 2020, beginning of 2021. And we were like, we can offer our same offerings at a lower price point at a, basically a wholesale rate to yeah. any other agency that wants to use us. Cause one, we know all the pain points because <laughs> we know what sucked <laughs> working with all these other high level partners. We know what right. sucks about working with an agency. So we know all the pain points and we know the pain points of the agency and we know the pain points of the clients because we've been doing it for a couple of years. So we're like, let's get into white label. Like we can totally do it. And it, you know, it ended up being a huge blessing because we brought on several yeah. very big like consulting firms, a couple other agencies that brought us literal, like, like several hundred clients oh, within, wow. within a matter of months. And yeah. So, yeah. Oh, wow. And that, I like and that. It, Holy so God. it just basically, that's what really helped us expand very quickly 
um, and will continue to be the way that we expand to in the future. Um, and yeah. it's a big part of our business. I would say about 50% of our clients that we have are white label and yeah. another 50% of our clients are just kind of what we internally call our kind of like B2C, <laughs> but they're not really their B2B, but yeah. us scroll working with other businesses. Cause most of the other white label people have no idea that scroll exists. They only know yeah. about the agency that they're talking to and working with. Cause we'll hop on the phone. We'll hop on video conference on our white label emails. I won't have this t-shirt on or whatever. <laughs> I'm not yeah. usually hopping on calls, but any one of our staff are and, uh, you right. know, and we'll act like a part of their team. And that's extremely common in the agency world. And that's kind of taboo. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm going to, I'm probably going to but what, get, but, uh, get some hits after this for that. No but, way. Uh, but it's but like, it doesn't matter because again, no. it kind of goes back to this four day work week thing. It's like, dude, you, the job got done. Exactly. And the yep. experience was great. And the check didn't bounce, homie. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's all good. You know, so it's all so good. That, that's what I kind of meant when I told you about kind of like, I would say infinite scaling because you're yeah. finding, you're basically finding really strategic referral partners is what it comes right. down to. And they're and, doing the selling for you. So it's not yeah. like you have to sell, you just have to deliver a really good product. And yeah. if you deliver a really good product, people will stay. So. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is like, it's kind of the sales world is kind of shifting. Okay. So let me say the first thing, like I am a sales guy and I am yeah. a, in, in prospecting is life. All right. You yes. gotta do yep. that. You got to okay. keep the blood. You got to keep the blood <laughs> pumping. Yeah, that's right. Prospecting, so prospecting is, is the life. blood pumping. Yep. But it's kind of shifting. Like the bigger deals that you get are yeah. always from partners, partnerships, always referral partners, always, always, always. strategic partner. Like I had, um, I had uh, Lindsay Ivy. I don't know if you're familiar. Yes, Lindsay. Oh yeah, I follow Lindsay. I don't. She probably doesn't know who I am. I know she knows Shane, but <laughs> I, uh, I I love following her and her husband both. They're yeah. awesome. Yeah, they're great. So I had Lindsay on to talk about um, some strategic partnership stuff, and she dropped some knowledge. But it was just crazy how oh, like big time. You know, you kind of see it just in this case when I interviewed her. It's like partnerships really are a big deal. I think you should put just as much time in. And I think what's worth it too for some companies is to have a, like a sales arm. And then and then yeah. part of that sales arm is a partnership arm in that sales team for where sure. you focus on like finding, retaining relationships, yep, relationship yeah. partners that like feed off of you. I think what a lot of people yeah. kind of get scared of that is because a lot of the great partnerships come from competition. Big time. What, what yeah. you think and, is competition, right? You know what I'm yeah, saying? Ex yeah, no, totally. And we work with, we have a, I won't mention their name, but we work with a really big, what would have been a, comp a competitive company uh, mm -hmm. to us, at least on the national level in the home service space, uh, you know, yeah. on the home service space um, out of Oklahoma. <laughs> and they're our biggest, they're our biggest partner. Um, yeah. hundreds, hundreds of clients. And so I think, you know, in terms of, and, and we have a very solid relationship with all of our partners, you know, we're very, at least on the white label side, we're extremely yeah. transparent on the project management side of things on the communication side of things. And that's why they've stuck around for so long. Um, and yeah. why they'll continue to do so is because we're, we're still small enough, um, that we're able to be pretty nimble and, kind yeah. of bend a little bit to specific needs, especially at that scale when we're dealing with, you know, 
50 plus clients, but like, hey, <laughs> right. you know, we can, we can kind of bend and move a little bit to accommodate certain things. But, um, but yeah, anyways, strategic partnerships are vital. I think in any industry and in any growth, yeah. I mean, especially in the home service business where, you know, they could have referral partners, you know, if they don't really, you know, if you've got a one man shop and you've got another guy who's taking all the leads, uh, you know, and can't fulfill, but the leads are just going to waste. He could pass those on to somebody else and take a cut or whatever. You know, there's just every industry could benefit from strategic partnerships. I think everybody, I think uh, we should, I think you should focus on it. I think it should be like another arm. Like, Oh, you know, we need salespeople. We need, we need these guys. I think um, I do. I think that's great. And so when you use like white label, but I think white labeling too is again, it's just like a lot of people, yeah, I don't know why a lot of people kind of look down on that because I do the kind of the same thing. Like when I was a virtual assistant, so I yeah. did virtual assisting for a long time. Like me and my cool. wife did that together. That was like our, yeah. our thing. That's awesome. Um, and, and a lot of it, dude, a lot of it was like, can you do this? And I was like, though, but yeah. <laughs> it's a grind. But I was like, a lot of it was like, can you do this? And I was like, no, but I know someone who will do it for me. For sure. <laughs> and I can yep. pay them and yeah. I can, you know what I mean? And it'll exactly. get done. And you can take the cut. <laughs> yeah. And it'll get done. Yeah, totally. And, um, yeah. It's just, I, I think a lot of people don't realize that's what happens in the marketing world. I think especially like maybe small businesses um, don't realize that's what's going on. You know, when you do work with yeah. an agency, um, if they're a small shop and you're always talking to one person, my guess is they're probably outsourcing or, yeah. and, and there's nothing wrong with that because the work's getting done. You know, I agree. The, I think when you're just not transparent about it is when you get, yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. Some problems so, th- so that's it. That's a good point. When I was a virtual assistant, um, when I was a virtual assistant, I would tell people that I'd be like, Hey, so I just want to let you know that I know how to get this done. I would tell people that I know how to get this done, For sure. um, but I'm going to be upfront with you. I'm going to send this off to my team, uh, but yep. I'm going to double check it before, when it, before it gets to you to make sure that it's what you wanted. But yep. if it does, I'm just, but I'm just letting you know that I'm going to send it to my team That's and everybody was cool with that. Yeah. Like if you just, yeah. if you just laid it out, like if you're just exactly. upfront with people. No, you totally. Know? But it's, it's yeah, been, you a, gave it's, them, yeah. it's been a huge help for our business. It was a huge help when we got started. It's now kind of yeah. f- flipped the coin and now we're offering white label and we do <laughs> primarily, I would say like 95, 90% of everything that we offer in-house um, with our staff. Nice. And, uh, and so it's, it's been, it's been nice to kind of go that route now and kind of and come is that, circle. Yeah. And is that how you, I mean, is white labeling kind of the the key to scaling up your service business is just like trying to figure out how to like white label it, how to like get, you know, how to like find partnerships, how to leverage other people's talents. Totally. Totally. I mean, leveraging people's talent is for sure a way to scale processes and internal uh, I'm the COO. So I'm, I'm, I'm a very, (laughs) I'm a very (laughs) process driven guy. I'm a very detail oriented guy. Uh, OCD. I've never been diagnosed with it, but it runs in my family and I'm sure I have (laughs) at least a little bit of it. And so I like just being able to have that in place lets you scale. Basically, you know, if you get Mm -hmm. all your, if your, if your backend is set up 
in order to, you know, let you scale, then you can. And well, that's yeah. the whole idea. You know, you, a lot of, I think a lot of companies jump into this. Let's, let's hire a 400 person sales staff. <laughs> let's, you know, let's, you know, let's hit full kit and caboodle. And then guess what's happening right now? They're laying off half their sales staff there. You know, yeah. there's all this stuff that's going on and they, you know, either yeah. weren't prepared or didn't do the, the backend work that was needed because they have pressure from the VCs and they have pressure from the funding to make it happen. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so anyways, having that back end in the process is important. And I think strategic partnerships are incredibly important. I think if you look at some yeah. of the biggest, you know, most successful like agencies out there uh-huh. have grown through strategic partnerships. Um, yeah. Well, you got, you feel like you have really to, you know? Grow. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool, man. Well, Hey, I appreciate your time, Dan. Uh, you've been For more sure. than generous with your time. Uh, tell everybody how they can get a hold of Scroll if they want to start white labeling. How they get a hold of you yeah. and, and how they how they make this work, man. Yeah, if you're a small business or if you're an agency looking to scale up, uh, hit us up at joinscroll.com, J-O-I-N-S-C-R-O-L-L.com. Um, you can hit us up on LinkedIn as well. You can follow myself. You just search for either Dan Page or Daniel Page. You can search yeah. for Shane Hickenlooper um, too, and uh, you'll be able to find us on LinkedIn. And that's the best way to get a hold of us. So perfect, yeah. And all those links will be in the description, man. Thank you so much. Perfect. Thanks, Stalin. Appreciate it.